Welcome back to Detroit Strange. The podcast that this is. The one you're listening to. We're so happy you're here. And we are actually recording on the ookiest, spookiest day of the whole year. It is Halloween. I was so excited when I realized we'd be recording on Halloween, too. I was like, we didn't do that on purpose, but that's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It worked out. I love Halloween. Glad we made it. Oh, should we do Mm -hmm. introductions? Should we bring those back? Oh, sure. That over there is Alex. The other voice is Jess. Hi. Yeah. So, so, have you dressed up at all for Halloween? I think I like your makeup tonight. I don't know if it's necessarily a costume, but I love your makeup right now. I, no, I have not really dressed up. I haven't really had anywhere to go, yeah. which is why I, I wanted to do makeup to record, because I was like, that sounds fun. Yeah. Like I said, I was going to wear a wig, too, because I do love a wig, but oh, I didn't. stand away. Uh, <laughs> I felt like... Maybe just kind of going for some witchy vibes or something. I was getting witchy vibes. Good. Yeah. I just don't feel as like compelled this year, which makes me bumps me out because I love costumes and makeup. And, you know, I usually try to throw like toilet paper on my face with Elmer's glue and be like a weird zombie or something. You know, like. You're a crafty bitch, especially with Halloween costumes and like effects. Because, yeah, I remember that one time you did come over with like. Sorry, my, I forgot to turn my furnace off, so let me just give it a second to like, turn off. Oh, and we that's can fine, give yeah. it, Which, thank God, I can do that for my phone. Your house is the smartest of houses. It's sometimes so smart, and sometimes I'm like, why do I even fucking bother when it doesn't work how I want it? When it works, it's great. When it doesn't, it pisses me off. Yeah, I mean, that's Because any... I know it should work. I feel like that's every... Yeah. Electronic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Today I woke up and I'm like, why is my house so cold? What is like going on? I realized I got new furnace filters delivered either yesterday or the day before. And so I turned my furnace off to put those in and then forgot to turn it back on. So I looked at my thermostat this morning. It was like 58 degrees in my house. Oh, no. Yeah. That's not good. I was like, this is like exceptionally cold. Like I know I like to keep a cold house, but this is exceptional. That's at least 10 degrees to few degrees. <laughs> At well, least. See, what I think I have it set to go down to 64 when I'm sleeping. Because I love just piling blankets on. We have like an old ass thermostat. So there's no setting that's not. A, like a radiator thing? No, it's it's forced heat. Oh, okay. But the actual unit for it is the original. So yeah. it's just, it's got the little slider across the bottom for the degrees. So you don't actually know how many degrees you're setting. Yeah. You're like. This area looks good, I guess. Uh, And then other than that, the only functions you have are like, you know, auto fan or off. Yep. Yep. It's not super advanced. And so I always forget to turn it down at night. I always like a half hour into sleeping am like dying because I have a billion blankets because I get cold. I have to get up, turn it down. Then I wake up in the morning and I'm freezing. It, it's yeah. just it's not a good it's not well, a good i bought you just, good. i sent you a snapchat of that blanket hoodie i bought right yes yeah, a couple actually oh my god i like i'm sure everyone's getting annoyed with how much i'm talking about this stupid blanket hoodie but it is entirely too comfortable and a sign that i have fully given up it is just a shapeless sack of human but it's so comfortable oh it, i mean it looks comfortable but it's gonna be perfect for winter yeah, yeah. 
it's perfect too for playing video games in bed, which I know is not a problem most people have. But I was like sitting in bed because like you're out like usually when you play your blankets like somewhat askew because you need your arms. But this like the blankets yeah. on your arms, so you're always it is warm. your arms. Yeah. Don't don't become it. <laughs> yeah. No. Don't let it fuse to you. I need to wear it, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's hard to do because it's, it's one of those like one size fits all kind of thing. So it's just like a tent of blanket. That would be a fun sketch to write, though. The blanket tent? Yeah. Just becoming the blanket? Yeah. Like eventually it's just like your face isn't even there. It's just a yeah. filled out blanket tent hoodie thing or whatever walking around by itself. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why that reminded me of those, those weird, like, anti-drug ads where the girl's, like, deflated. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only reason that's in it. my consciousness again is because I've seen TikToks where people use the scan filter to, like, make themselves look like that girl. Have you seen the girl who did the Tim Burton one? No. And then people try to recreate it. And so I say, so what she does is she makes herself a Tim Burton character by like pulling her eyes down. So they're like really big. And then while it's going here, she presses it in so that you get like the shadow. Yeah. Right here. So your face looks like long. And she did it really good. But everybody who tries to redo it always fucks it up because you just have to have perfect timing. It is. And that filter, it just starts. Yeah. It just starts when you like click on it or whatever. So it's just like, oh God, do the <laughs> right. Like I tried it a couple times, just you know, I didn't fun. actually yeah. make it, but <laughs> it's fun to play around with. But like I appreciate the effort some people put into their TikToks because I'm like, they yeah. know how to use this. They're doing it right. I'm enjoying it. I couldn't possibly. I do really, really want to use it, but also it's so low on my list of like Yeah, I've got so many things. Yeah. Um, I think just like the next time one of us is drunk, we just need to make drunk history TikToks about Detroit. And then this one time she was a ghost the whole time. Like just (laughs) nonsense, but like Detroit facts. Yeah. Or skewed Detroit facts. Yeah. But back to Halloween costumes. My Joker yes. costume did turn out. I sent you a picture. Oh, good. Yes. Mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. a lot of fun with that. But like, it was like, so the make, it was like Meron or M E H R O N, that brand, like clown white. So it was like a thick cream based makeup. Mm. Yeah. So lots of fun to get off. And also, I put it on my ears. So my ears would look white. And I fully like, a zit or something formed in my ear. It was like one of those oh, deep ones. No. And so like my painful? ear was just hurt. Yeah. Like just one of those in your ear. So you can't even see it. Like oh, gosh. the worst. So do not recommend, but it looked great. Oh, well, I'm glad it turned out. It was, yeah. it did. It did look good. I mean, that nose contour. That's my favorite part. I think now is just nose contour and just see how I like. Just- just oh yeah, like Sorry. a little boop of a nose I can make myself have. <laughs> I liked the lips just because, like, lips, that's yeah. such an iconic part of the Joker. Yeah, and I think you nailed it. Thank you. And it's almost like harder, I think, to probably do like a chaotic lip than like. It also would have helped had I clean shaven too, because I was like drawing on stubble. <laughs> Which is also would have helped for removing too, because I might still have a little like tiny neon purple like pencil mustache from the lip liner. 
like said for a couple days after i just had like a little purple pencil mustache and i'm like i guess this is the look now oh yeah but it was fun and then i did a work zoom call where i did three different costumes in the span of like an hour and a half all mm-hmm. super lazy ones like i was uh eggsy from kingsman for the first one then mm-hmm. i mentioned i got a fake mustache to be freddie mercury so i did live aid freddie mercury real quick so that's just a white tank top and the mustache and yeah try an armband but i had a bracelet and a necklace and one was too big one was too small and then i ended with a target assistant manager which is just my red sweatshirt <laughs> that has the assistant manager thing on it yeah which is perfect. one of my favorite sweatshirts because people it's very always versatile. ask yeah mm-hmm. and tonight yeah. me and jen are doing a platonic couples costume mm-hmm from Hocus Pocus. Mm-hmm. I think I think I told you, but I'm gonna give everyone else you out did. there a one word hint. Hollywood. <laughs> what's that character? I know the other one is Jay. Ice, but what's the what Ice is it? and J. Jay. Jay. Okay. J-A-Y. Yeah. Come on, man, that is out of here. Just like he has like four lines in the movie, and they're all yeah. still just like, Meh. so mm-hmm. I'm excited to just be a bully tonight. Oh fun. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, grand. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to actually do anything or not. I have, I do have like a witch hat, but it's, it was like one from the dollar store years ago. And it's so, it just goes straight up in points. Like there's no flap to it. And it looks so stupid when you put it on. It's like putting a parking cone on my head. I know you could make it. But it's like, weird. sometimes witch hats got to be like that, though. Yeah, I was also thinking maybe I could like put something in it to bend it because it's like a it's almost like a see through material. It's very very thin, so it's not like uh-huh. like maybe a piece of coat hanger, piece of white. Yeah, coat yeah, just something to help it uh, over that, or that just curve. embrace the cone. I don't know. It makes me feel real uncomfortable. <laughs> I wish I had one of those little tiny witch hats that sometimes you yeah, do, like watch the teeny tiny. Yeah. yeah. That would be but cute. My sister was a basic witch one year, so I think the pointy hat would work for that. That's funny. Like, I was trying oh to think God. about if I could spin it into being um, witch talk, the witch side of TikTok, which I'm yes. completely fascinated by because, I don't know, it's all just like pretty things like crystals and dried flowers. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I like things. Just like pin or tape a heart and a comet bubble on your sweater. Then your witch talk. Yeah. Okay. I knew I knew you'd have the answer. Of course. I saw one girl did a uh or a Zoom call Halloween costume. Did you see that one? Her dad made it no. for her. She was like walking around in like a Brady Bunch frame, basically. So there was like images of other monsters and she was in the middle. And he actually rigged up a screen on top of her and there was a camera in it, so it would show the person she was looking at. So they would see themselves on the Zoom board. That's Isn't that so crazy? Cool. Yeah. That's so cool. I feel like people are wild in for Halloween because they can't do anything else, and I'm here for it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Oh. I I hope there are some good TikTok costumes out there. I don't know why. I don't... I have not left my obsession. Yeah, it's... I mean, TikTok, it comes up all the time. It comes up more often than I'd like, but also... It's really the only social media I feel like I really use anymore. Same. I mean, well, I... I communicate with people via Facebook, so like Messenger, uh, just for like working on things. Not not even 
just for projects basically or things yeah. that I want to make or somebody else that wants to make. Yeah. Uh, it's not my favorite though. Yeah. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm always so glad when it transfers over to the group text instead of the Facebook messenger where everybody's finally like, maybe we should just get each other's phone numbers and then it works. Just so, like if you appreciate someone, just tell them you don't need to make a yeah. blog post. Just tell oh, them. People love to be appreciated. Right. I love to hear it. And it's, I was it just thinking means about so much how I love more random compliments to people. I am trying to do it more because I think things like I'll, I'll think like, oh, their sweater is cute or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But then never actually say it out loud. And I'm trying to become more aware of that habit. Yeah. So that I can actually say it. And not even just the people I know, but even strangers, if it's an appropriate situation, yeah. like I'm not going to pull somebody aside and be like, eh. well, actually, I might if like, it's appropriate. But right. I did, like that happened to me at the grocery store the other day. The cashier that was checking me out had this really cool Stockard Channing pen. So I was like, I like your Stockard Channing pen. And then it led to a great yes. conversation yes. and a reminder for me to watch Practical Magic, which I still have to do. Oh, I've seen it before. I, I've seen it before. It's yeah. just been a minute. I watched it like four or five times <laughs> in this September. Pandemic? Yeah. And then they took it off on October, like the free version off on October. That was just and I garbage. Was mad. I know. I was so upset. I was like, this is the this season. is the month you decide to do this. Like, do this in November. Yeah, when everyone's like, already it. watched it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not a it's not a seasonal movie. Like, it's an all year round movie. But you're gonna take Practical Magic down for Halloween month? No, that's how I feel. Like Rocky Horror. Not that I think it's streaming anywhere. It might be, but like I don't know because I have a DVD of it. Either way, like I feel like it Rocky is streaming. Ho- I Rocky watched Horror- it last night. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like Rocky Horror, Clue, Practical Magic, all these movies that are like Halloween adjacent, I call them. They're not specifically Halloween, no. but I, I want to like kind of associate them with Halloween, so we all just watch them around Halloween time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, for sure. Like, there, I mean, there's a lot of movies like that, too, because anything oh, yeah. that has... Anything spooky like Spooky spin. or like Witches, Dracula. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, people lump Harry Potter into Halloween. I feel like ABC yeah. Family would always have a Harry Potter Halloween and a Harry Potter Christmas. It's just like, we have the rights to these movies. We will play them as much as we want. Like, I know we just watched them all two months ago, but here it is Christmas time. They have Christmas in that movie. Why not? <laughs> but yeah, so you do need to yeah. watch Practical Magic, but you might have to rent it. That's fine. It's worth the rent. Because, I mean, I do love Stockard Channing. I kind of want to just buy it. I do, too. So much. I right, because it's not a movie I'll regret like seven owning. Bucks. Right, that's the thing. Usually with renting movies on Amazon, I'm more inclined to just pay the extra couple bucks to own it, because mm-hmm. I'm also a psychopath who watches movies twelve times in a row. I mean, I started same. Kingsman for the fifth time last night. <laughs> like my brother in law wanted to watch it, and I was like more than happy to oblige because I'm like I'll watch it again, but we didn't finish it because they go to bed early, and we started at like ten. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I get that, though. If I really like a movie, I'll watch it a lot. Um, yeah. M- sometimes in succession, sometimes not. But again, I watched Practical Magic like four times in a row a month ago, oh. so I can't. <laughs> right. There's just certain movies that just hit. Like for me, it was like that movie, Serial Mom, Cry Baby, and Crazy Rich Asians are all movies that I know I've watched like back to back like yeah watched it like one night and watched it the next day or watched it two nights in a row 
Oh. Which speak this isn't a movie, but I've been I don't know if you'll be into this, but I'm gonna tell you another show that you should give a try if okay. if you're looking for a show. I'm sure you've heard of Cobra Kai on Netflix. I have. Okay. And what's your what is your familiarity with the Karate Kid? Like, have you seen those movies or any of them? I or sure the next ha- Karate Kid. I started seeing. Um, I remember watching a little bit of the new one. I think they had Jaden Smith in it. Oh yeah, that's like the new new one or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the one that came out like maybe ten years ago. I don't know. Yeah, but that um, one is the one I've not seen. I love how like I've I've never seen Ghostbusters, but I have seen the. Mm-hmm. The reboot and same thing with <laughs> I don't even think I saw the whole thing of the Jaden Smith Karate Kid because like I remember just watching it at my friend's parents RV because we were driving somewhere and like his parents were the ones who had like every new release movie on their hard drive for some reason so we're like all right sure why not mm-hmm. so it's one of those times where I was like wasn't really paying attention and kind of saw it was just on it. yeah. yeah. The reason I would say do you, you might want to watch it at some point is just because it is another one of those like iconic ones. Yeah. And I'm sure you already know all the things, but putting them in context. Wax on, wax is on, good. just grab a fly with a chopstick, right? Yes. Okay. But that being said, I wasn't like a big Karate Kid fan or anything like that. I've just seen the movies because they were like on yeah. TV or whatever. Yeah. I did love I... the next Karate Kid, though, which is Hillary Swank. Okay, I'm behind yeah. that. And it was years, like, a, over a decade later and stuff. It was sometime in the 90s, I think. I don't remember exactly when. But it was cool because it was a girl this time. And I, I was like, yeah, girl, I mean, we love H-Dog. Yeah, exactly. So that, So you could also even just skip the other one and watch that one. But Cobra Kai. So it follows up, like, 30-some years later or whatever with okay. the main kid that karate he fights. Dude. Yeah. And, and then the main karate dude, too. Mm-hmm. So Ralph Macchio and uh, Billy Zabka, I think, are the actors. I'm just amazed at the genius of like creating this show because I was a I was actually entertained, not even being a like big Karate Kid fan. Also, you don't have to know the Karate Kid stuff. There might be a few like references that happen once in a while that like aren't funny to you, but yeah. it wouldn't ruin the story. Right. Also, it can be kind of funny. It's also interesting because it's kind of them like passing it down. To like a teenage generation. Yeah. So this show not only appeals to older adults who grew up with Karate Kid, it also now appeals to like it's introducing a new audit. It's like introducing a new generation to Karate Kid. Yeah. And honestly, there are a lot of shows where there are like teens who are like superheroes or you know, things like that. And it kind of hits on that genre. They're not superheroes in this, but they're like learning karate. So there's a lot yeah. of the same kind of vibes, I guess, going on. But then there's also the teen drama going on. Yeah. And I was just like, genius. This show has it all. It does. And it was, I was surprised. I was like, I'll, I'll, okay. It came, I came across it and I was like, well, I've heard it's good. Yeah. We'll see. I wasn't a big Karate Kid fan, but we'll, we'll see. Like, whatever. Oh. I'll it was check it real out. good. Yeah. Yeah. What are you sipping on over there? Are you drinking? I am just drinking some hot apple cider, actually, that I made because I made apple cider again and it's better than the first batch I made. So, you know what? I feel with recipes like that, like every time you make it gets a little bit better because you realize a little bit something from the last time you made it. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the same way with me and pretzels. I, my soft pretzels get better and better every time I make them. Makes sense. Yeah, you learn about it. And yeah, I'm really happy. I Well, and I I ran it through cheesecloth twice this time. Uh-huh. So the texture is like better. Also, yeah. I let it sit with some cinnamon sticks after I made it. Ooh. So yeah, just some apple cider though. Wasn't feeling anything else in this same I'm kind of the same boat. Even less festive though. I just have an iced coffee. Okay. Would you like to hear a story? Yes. <laughs> so just for sake of the actual story, I'm not going to give it a title per se as of yet. Like, have you heard uh, of blank? Yeah. Yeah. So, and we're actually going to start, it will end up in Detroit, but we're going to start in New York City in the late 1700s. Okay. There, a couple named John and Catherine Simmons have five sons and a daughter. The youngest son is named Stephen, and that's the uh. name Stephen Simmons that we're going to be following for this story. Oh, and he was the second youngest of the bunch. So okay. he had several older brothers, and a couple of them were at least two decades older than him. So, like, Holy also shit. kind of spread out. Yeah. Yeah. And his younger sister, Catherine. So there's no written record of their family dynamics. It seems like they might have been close, though, So because a lot of his siblings did actually name, like, their own children eventually after the parents or one another. Yeah. Uh, except for nobody named any of their kids Stephen after Stephen. I think we know where Stephen stood in the ranks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it seems like they didn't hate him, but I think he was just kind of, as the we'll get to it a little bit more... But a lot of his siblings ended up having moderately successful existences, and his was a little different. Excited. Yeah, we'll get to it. So there is no direct knowledge, but the Simmons family was in New York City, and they actually did leave. And this is before Stephen was actually born for a little bit after the British invasion in 1776. Mm. At this point, the family either stayed with his aunt and uncle in New Jersey which his birth record actually states that he was born in New Jersey. So that's probably what happened or in Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, because that's actually where he was baptized. These are all via like records. So yeah. none of this is like written material. And we all know how records were back then. Yeah. And also one of his, his eventual children, cause he does have children later was named Bathsheba or Beth, yeah, Bathsheba after his aunt probably. So they probably okay. lived there. Yeah. But luckily the British, left new york well they left and so they were able to move back to new york and to their tavern they owned by Uh november of 1783 uh this day would become to known as evacuation day was a big celebration in those times because yay we we have our places back yeah and the tavern held a great dinner given for general washington and his officers so this tavern specifically was very ingrained into what was happening politically in the country yeah around april 30th 1789 general george washington and john adams are being sworn in as the first president and vp of the united states under the now ratified constitution on the second floor balcony of federal hall which sat across the street from the tavern nice so it's uh it's very likely that little nine-year-old stephen gifford simmons the one we're following at this time probably saw this kind of stuff and he probably witnessed this possibly from like the rooftop or you know something grand like that yeah simmons tavern was a popular place for men in government to meet and often talk about their days 
and was located at the corner of Nassau and Wall Street. Okay. So very, again, like centrally located to everything. So he kind of like was around this kind of like grandiose situation, really, especially for like a tavern. Yeah. So uh, by... 1793, John Simmons, his dad, along with some partners, purchased 43,000 acres of land in Shenango, I don't know if I'm saying that right, county in mid-state New York. And the whole idea here was that, like, at the time, there was a lot of depleted resources over in England specifically, and there were some farmers coming over from England to, you know, America at that point to start farming. Yeah. So they purchased this land, and... This whole idea of purchasing land and selling land, I th- it seems like it kind of stuck with Stephen. Uh-huh. Like he saw this happening and he thought that this was like how you do it. But this never actually materialized as France went to war with the rest of Europe from about 1793 to 1815, otherwise known as the French Revolution. And thus people weren't coming here. Yeah. So now all these people who just like think they're going to make this you know their money off this land they just now own this land so that land would just kind of like sometimes get used and sometimes just sit there for a very long time i'm sorry when john simmons senior so his dad died in august of 1795 in new york city stephen was about 14 at this age so the simmons men in general were very large framed men and his father was actually so large that the door had to be enlarged to allow the casket to fit through it damn uh yeah so they were just stocky boys yes but also just like structurally i think they were like very tall and just kind of like wide framed you know things like that too from a lot of the descriptions his will stated that Catherine, his wife would inherit the land and assets and and she would actually go on to live for another 25 years so his will didn't really do a ton at this point in time until later but he also took great measure to provide security for his two youngest children because again the older ones were off on their own and adults at this point and he wasn't worried and he made sure that when steven and his younger sister catherine were of age that they would both inherit something Mm. 30 now at this point too uh some of steven's older brothers were actually like working in politics and kind of going more of a civic route as far as their their life and when he came of age he would get 30 english pounds to quote buy a set of tools wow yeah It also stated that upon Catherine, his wife's death, that the household furniture and plate would go to the daughter and the rest of his estate would be divided equally amongst the children or their heirs. So that land, basically. Yeah. A little bit, too, about Stephen. Every description of him does kind of say that he was he was also a very attractive young man, apparently very tall, well built, ruggedly handsome. And these are according to descriptions like years later, but those are the only written descriptions about him. Yeah. So two years after his father's death, 1797, 17-year-old Stephen became a lieutenant of a light dragoons in the U.S. Army. The word dragoons makes me laugh. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to say it a few times, and I'm going to try not to laugh. So it's not clear if this was by choice or pressure from his family. By the time, this time, though, the army actually, it had been huge, obviously, with the revolution, but now it was kind of a shadow of its former self because there wasn't too much going on. Uh, troops were smaller. They were more scattered. There was terrible communication between them because of this. Cause they just didn't have that connectivity that they had had uh, during the war. 
On top of this, they also lacked adequate housing, uniforms, or supplies. Many officers would create like small farm plots so that they could actually sell stuff to make some extra money because they weren't making that much money. They got a salary, but it was very, very small. And on top of that, they got rations. And I just put this in here because I thought this was interesting. They could get one pound of beef or three-quarter pound of pork, 18 ounces of bread or flour, and a gill, which is about um, one one quarter pint of rum, brandy, or whiskey. Nice. Daily ration. Uh, At this point, he was stationed in Tennessee, and it's more than likely that he found ways to fill his time because there wasn't too much to do. Most of it involved just basically people going west uh-huh. and uh, protecting them from like bandits yeah. was pretty much what they were doing at this point. So he probably found ways to fill his time. It's more than likely that he did start uh, using that gill of probably whiskey as that would become his drink of choice later uh-huh. and might have, you know, just been involved in other debaucherous activities of the Ooh. time as well. Yeah. So, um, and I wrote other less savory devices. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Around 1830, so there was a publication called the Detroit North- Northwestern Journal, and they got a description of him from a family member at that time. And they said, quote, at an early age, he became separated by his own misconduct from the circle of respectable connections, endowed with a vigorous mind and an athletic frame capable of achieving an honorable independence. He had voluntarily voluntarily thrown himself into the company of the abandoned of both sexes and became a partner in all their enterprises, whether the objects were wealth or pleasure. Huh. So Can basically saying he does bad things. He's a naughty oh. kid. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. Uh, and, the, and then the book kind of alluded to the fact that they were talk, probably talking about things like tobacco, whiskey drinking, possibly um, hiring sex workers, tavern brawling, things of that nature. All things you can do in Red Dead Redemption 2. Whenever <laughs> yeah. I think of like that period of time in America, that's all my, that's my point of reference. You ride a horse, you drink some whiskey, you do some shady stuff. Fair. And you go back to your wagon. <laughs> And this also meant that there were many people leaving the service because it wasn't like a great place to be. And it left yeah. openings. And Stephen, without any training, became second in command at his post. Cool. Yeah. A couple years later, 1799, in the fall, Stephen was actually appointed to paymaster of the Army's new Light Dragoon Regiment headquartered in New Jersey. Ooh. And so he was now a staff officer, which that's a little bit more posh of a lifestyle. You get, you know, more comfortable place to live. You're in the city. So there's like a lot more, you know, around you. And yeah. Uh, also, I think it, it was a higher pay scale yeah. to be a paymaster. Yeah. But this was short lived as fear of war subsided by the end of that same year. So the, the this is in October. But by the end of 1799. <sighs> The regiment he was in charge of paying was disbanded. So back to Tennessee it was for him. Uh-huh. So he got to live like this like really nice posh life for like two or three months. Damn. Mm-hmm. But his move back to Tennessee was also short lived. So he was back in Tennessee by the next October. Yeah. And by that mid-November, so in 1800, an arrest was on his record. 
So basically, nobody knows what he did, but he left the army in disgrace. It must have been something serious to actually like go to that level. And the book infers that possibly it had something to do with when he was paymaster. Ooh. Possibly like he might have he might have been, you know, found guilty of some sort of shady dealing or something. Yeah. Yeah. Life's not super great, but a lot of rec there's not a lot of record of him for the next bit of time, basically. There's a few things that you can find basically based on like paperwork. He married a woman named Lavana in 1805 at the age of 25. And the next time he appears in any records is 10 years later. Okay. So 25 to 35, who knows where he at? Yeah. Uh, They end up having at least six children together. That's what he was doing. Yeah. Fathering six children. Yeah. Somewhere. They had four daughters, two sons, and they did actually name them after most of his family or Lavana or her family, probably. Although we don't even know her her former last name or anything other than her census records from when she was married to him. So very little information, unfortunately, but Catherine, James, Ellen, David, Beth, Sheba, and Lavana. Okay. And all their children were born somewhere between 1805 and 1818. Again, this is just on census records. Yeah. By 1815, sorry, I had to scroll. By 1815, at age 35, this is when we can kind of catch up with him a little bit because he purchased a plot of land in Shenango County. So the one that his family has land in, but he purchases a different plot of land. And eventually upon his mother's death, he would inherit more acres because, again, they were going to split up the previous acres. Uh, But they were kind of spread out all over the place. So it's not like he could just like make one big farm. I think it ended up being actually like three different plots or something like that. Yeah. So he's kind of doing that. He's doing. okay, maybe. Yeah. It's not great. At the age of 45, so this is 1825, Okay. Uh, by societal standards, he just, he owned very little. He had no civic distinction, and his only skill, sort of skill set was farming, which he actually wasn't, he was okay. Yeah. Uh, records from a neighboring farmer state that they were, he was talking about basically he and his brother, because his brother owned another, you know, yeah. they all got something. We're out of their depths as farmers saying that, quote, Mr. John Simmons and his brother Stephen found that a city education was not adapted to the agricultural pursuits of backwoodsmen. However, they were both robust, strong young men floundering along, clearing up their farms and raising crops as best they might. Okay, doing what they could, I guess. Yeah, and there's actually there's a lot more to this kind of farm situation, too, at one point. He and his wife and children might have actually been living with his brother uh, at one point, and then he purchased this land. But again, there's no proof yeah, of that or no anything way to like that. It. Yep. Yeah. So what did he do? He sold his land, making a small profit of just barely over two thousand dollars in total. And this is when they decided to move to the Michigan Territory, as did many at this point. The wild, wild Midwest. Yeah. At this time, the Michigan Territory. It was about to have a big population boom. When they made this decision, the population of the whole territory was 15,000. Wow. In 1825. And it by 1840, it would raise to 212,000. 
Oh, wow. That is a big growth. So Lavana, the kids and him, they arrived in October of 1825, which this story is weird because a lot of things happened in October. And I was like, October again. The city of Detroit itself had 2000 residents, uh, even though the city was over 120 years old at this point. So, again, still territory, not a state yet. Yeah. But, you know, Detroit was old. (laughs) It was 120 years old at this point. Yeah. And the city was pretty wild still, just outside the actual city, wilderness. Yeah. Wolves regularly were seen carrying, like, the carcasses of their prey around, uh, yep. even in, on, like, campus marshes and stuff like that. That is crazy to think about. Yeah. Clean water was not found here, apparently. A lot of water mm-hmm. problems. And malaria ran rampant due to wetter conditions and yeah. lots of mosquitoes. Ugh. It wasn't necessarily an easy place, but it was new and there was like still a lot of land. Yeah. Uh, Not new, but still a lot of land. Right. (laughs) Trendy. People were coming and the city kept growing. Yeah. The city itself was receiving about 300 new settlers a week, which is more than local hotels and taverns could start or could support. So on October 31st, 1825... Stephen purchased a quarter acre of land in the city from a local politician. By December 2nd, he bought another plot with 80 acres of forest land about 16 miles southwest of the city. I think it's where Wayne, the city of Wayne is now, from what I saw. Yeah. And the main feature of this property was a log cavern and tavern. Okay. Which the former owner of this land actually had a very hard time making any kind of profit off of the tavern. Thus, while he was selling it. Yeah. Over the next few years, Stephen would keep buying up property throughout the territory, but these were mostly investments. Yeah. You know, he thought he'd sell them later. It's possible he was trying to uh, emulate people who had made, you know, early investments and seen great reward, but he would never really see any success from it. Yeah. Mostly they just ran the farm in the tavern. So the problem, though, is the tavern still didn't turn much profit. It's kind of out of the way. You're going to yeah. get some passers by, but... Tavern laws were really tough at this time, actually. He did little or nothing to keep the tavern clean or well-stocked, and their accommodations pretty Uh. rough. One record basically says that the people who stayed there wished they had stayed on the road instead. Uh, Can I guess where the story ends? Did he found Motel 8? (laughs) It's a good guess, but no. there's, There's some stuff coming up. It was also on record from travelers that both Stephen and Lavana were heavy drinkers who exhibited violent outbursts. And this wasn't uncommon because, again, there was no water system and water yeah. made people sick, unfortunately, often. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes people would drink Just other drink. forms of liquid. Yeah. Yes. Like hard cider was a big thing back in the States in those days because water was not always clean, but cider was usually good. So I was just like, fuck it, let's just get drunk. And I respect that. This book, it mentioned that, generally speaking, men drink whiskey and the ladies would drink hard cider. Yeah. Like, not not that it couldn't go the other way or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just kind of tastes, yeah. Yeah, because it was talking about Lavana would drink whiskey, and that was kind of yeah. actually weird that she would, like, usually drink whiskey. Uh, Yeah. And also, Love you could make her. whiskey. Yeah, just corn in a bathtub, right? Yeah, and they were on a farm, so you take yeah. your excess whatever... Because you can make it from so many. There's several different yeah, corn, ways to make grain, it. Rye. Yeah, 
Exactly. So while it is said that when he was sober, he was a very loving husband and father, but he was drinking a lot. So his own children even were recorded to have said that he was, quote, a husband sometimes forcing, always encouraging his wife to drink in his moments of intoxication, beating her with the hand or instruments of wood or iron and driving her forth at night to seek shelter in the woods, following her and stamping upon her. Damn. Which is fucked up. That like, is. That's just. Not okay. What a sad little man. Like, right. like to have to. Because A, it's obviously because he had to shame about like how much he was drinking. So he wanted somebody her to do it too because it make, you know, that cancel right. out mindset or whatever. And then, I don't know, just abusive on all in so many ways, like so many ways. Disgusting. Yeah. The neighbors clearly obviously noticed, too, because how can you not? In the same way, the children also spoke about their mother, uh-huh. not necessarily painting um, an innocent, you know. Yeah. Per- I don't know how you yeah, say it. But she wasn't. No. Yeah. They basically said that she was, quote, a mother in a drunken carousel with her husband in the presence of their children or raving like fury and grasping chairs or boards to beat them and driving them from the house. I mean, she was just doing what the husband was doing to her. I mean, it doesn't make it right, but it's her, it's just a terrible. It's a big circle of hurt people, hurt people, you know? Yeah. And again, we know very little about her background, so yeah. who knows what she ex- her experiences and that doesn't make any of it right or okay but yeah so just not a great place just yeah not nothing really good happening it sounds like no are you ready for like the big part the culmination (laughs) yes i am by june of 1830 a lot was going on in the simmons household for example their oldest daughter who had already actually been married was actually in the midst of a divorce uh-huh. Uh, which was about like a three-year process or so at the time. Oh my God, that is entirely too long. Yeah. And she was actually living with them with her two children because she had children. Yeah. Inside so note, the only way a woman could get a divorce from a man then is if he committed adultery and it was like proven. That is stupid. I know. So he's helping his daughter with the proceedings. And in the first week of June, he was actually also summoned to appear in court for a civil case against him over something to do with a rental of one of his farmland. Uh-huh. Basically, the other guy owed him money uh-huh. that was supposed to be made via the sales of crops. Uh-huh. And it didn't happen. So Stephen and one of his sons, David, went into the city because court uh, to yeah. go to trial. It ended on June 11th. And the verdict was that the other man owed Stephen fifteen dollars and thirty five cents, uh, which was actually then yeah that decent. was like probably like a couple hundred bucks back then yeah or at least a thousand I don't know yeah inflation. So this is a Friday, and did they head home? No, you're gonna go celebrate. Yeah, <laughs> apparently celebrate that fifteen dollars and thirty five cents. Yeah, and they wouldn't actually make it home until the next evening. And Sunday, the family actually had a really nice day together. Um, Stephen and Lavano were drinking freely, though, throughout the day. This Uh continued into Monday morning, and by Monday afternoon, both were sleeping. Or just passed out. Yep. Sleeping, quotation marks. Sleeping, yeah. Yeah, mommy's sleeping. Mm -hmm. By sunset, though, they were awake. 
because uh-huh. that's what happens. Yeah. And this is when Steven's paranoia set in. Oh, no. He started to wonder what Lavana had done while he was away for a week and started to accuse her of infidelity with a stage man. So a stagecoach driver yeah. who had passed that day. He asked his, he, his wife was like, no, 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 no. But he was blaming her. And then he went and asked his daughter if she, if Lavana had improper intercourse with the driver of the stagecoach. Uh-huh. Whatever her response was is unknown, but it did not calm him down. Uh, the next thing he did was charge into the bedroom where Lavana was. And he had, you know, already asked her about it. And he just began to beat her. Yeah. Again, not this part's a little rough. Piece of and shit. Then, yeah. Yeah. He then left for a bit, but then came back and resumed. Damn. At this point, hoping to get him to stop, Lavana admitted to having slept with the stage man, but it only fueled him more. Uh-huh. Uh, he once again left the room only to return and continue until her body began to spasm. Damn. He then left and resumed drinking with one of the guests of the tavern. Probably a great idea. I'll just keep drinking. Ugh. I know, right? And eventually those he and the guest went to the bedroom to check on Lavana and found her unconscious. Yeah. A freaking course. Yeah. So they decided to take her body outside and were hoping that the summer air would help. It summer didn't. air is not... Yeah. Uh, when the tavern guests, though, realized and saw what happened, they actually arrested Stephen and restrained him to be delivered to the authorities. I mean, good. Within six weeks, this yeah. will all be. Ooh, interesting. It's, okay, that yeah. is fast. Yeah. Um, so the next morning, Tuesday, June 15th, he was taken to Wayne County Sheriff in Detroit alongside the corpse of his wife in his own wagon. Damn. So his wife was sent for examining, his wife's body was sent for examining, and he was put into jail. And on their wife's body, Lavana's body, they found bruises on the face, neck, breast, and side. Yeah. So, I mean, really, there's no case for anything No surprises here Other there. than what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Some sources do state that Stephen did exhibit great regret of what he had done, and he was actually given sedatives upon his arrival at the jail. But other sources, like Northwestern Journal, that publication uh, I talked about earlier, they reported that he showed, quote, hard and ironed insensibility to guilt. And Mm. so, but whatever his feelings were, uh, he actually tried to kill himself at least once by slicing his throat open while awaiting trial. Damn. Yeah. Uh, He missed. He didn't hit the right artery or whatever. So basically, he just made a giant mess. Uh, He bled everywhere. The doctor had to come and did have to, like, come regularly after that, too, to kind of keep checking on, like, the wound from it. And actually, they ended up just billing that all to his estate. Damn. Yeah. Apparently, back then, like, I think the jail, like, the actual being in jail part, I think that wasn't, like, charged to the estate. But any kind of extra anything that had to happen just got charged to the person in jail estate. Yeah. Uh, Which is interesting. Um, But also, like. What if they don't have anything right work? <laughs> uh, so starting on June 18th, the grand jury, which I I don't honestly remember a whole lot about like the structure of how trials work. So I looked this up because this yeah. came up in another story once, too. A grand jury is actually typically a group of about 23 people selected to examine the validity of an accusation before the actual trial. OK, so it's like a pretrial or like a mini trial. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And yeah. 
Yeah. So they they heard from the guy who was with Simmons, like the the tavern guest, uh-huh. and all, at least some are all of the Simmons children, and then the two other tavern guests. So like the guys who had like arrested him. Yeah. And Stephen was issued an indictment against him, upon to which he pled, quote, that he was not guilty in the matter and form as he stood charged. Okay. While awaiting trial, it's obvious that he was regretful of the situation. Nobody knows. Was he actually sad that, you know, he had sad done they this did to or his sad wife? Caught. Yeah. Or sad that now he's in jail and murdered somebody? Yeah. And at one point, he actually asked his daughter to bring him a vial of poison. Uh-huh. This was intercepted by the employees of the jail uh, who basically heard it and uh-huh. put him under heavy watch. They even hired a barber to shave for him because they didn't trust him with a damn thing at this point. Good reason to. Yeah. Yeah. Charging all of this extra shit to his estate, though, too. Oh, shit. Yeah. Kind of sucks. Compounding uh, issues. For the kids. They yeah. already. They, they've dealt like their dad killed their mom. Their, mom, their dad's yeah. in jail now. Like they don't yeah. need this extra financial burden. Mm-hmm. And they're not young. I don't think I don't. There's I don't know, like a 13 or 15 year age gap between the oldest and the youngest. But at least yeah. one of them was like had two kids of her own. So, yeah. Yeah. The territory at that time, the act for the punishment of crime stated that every person who shall commit murder or shall aid, abet, counsel, hire, command, cause, or procure any person or persons to commit murder shall, on being thereof convicted, suffer death to be carried out by hanging the person convicted by the neck until dead. Damn. There was also no such thing, at least in the Michigan territory at this point, as second degree murder. So it's basically at this point, it's either murder or manslaughter, which okay. is accidental murder. Yeah. Generally speaking, murder means uh, that they had to have, you know, intent. intent. Yeah. Intent, motive, cause. And there were a lot of tavern brawls and stuff back in the day. And there were a lot of, there were other like drunken rage yeah, manslaughter well, situations, but they were called manslaughter. No clean water to drink, so they just drink whiskey all the time. Of course, you're just going to have bar fights all the time. Yeah. And generally speaking, it was like men killing other men. Yeah. None of this is good. History is weird. Yeah. To get convicted of manslaughter, you would basically be in jail from anywhere from a few months to about two years, which I'm like, really? Two years? Uh, Yeah, that is a short time. But I also feel like a lot of bar fights are happening. So, like, it probably was unfortunately too common a thing to punish for longer. But also that doesn't make it better. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say that again because I hit the mic. On July 6th, the official trial started, and Simmons actually had two pretty decent lawyers. But lawyers back then were freaking nuts, it seemed, because this this book went into great detail of things, but it did talk about how much lawyers also really like to drink. Yeah. And one of his lawyers actually escaped drunken almost manslaughter situation himself. Uh-huh. And I'm just going to tell you because this story is a little wild. It's just a very small, short side journey. Uh, This man's name was O'Keefe. And a few months after he had arrived in Michigan, he and a group of prominent Detroiters took an outing to Pontiac to celebrate the opening of Colonel Stephen Max Flour Mill, the first in Oakland County. You got to celebrate that flour mill. Well, they did because this party was notoriously wild, like talked about for years kind of a situation. There was a lot of drinking. And on the way back, he and a group stopped in Royal Oak at a a shanty, basically, that was owned by a Frenchman 
who was also a little drunk himself. Yeah. The group urged the man to drink more with them, but he didn't want to. So how do you think the group handled that? Beat his ass and probably killed him. Oh, no, my friend. This is a group of lawyers. So they put him on a trial and found him guilty and sentenced him to be hung, which, of course, they set up themselves by tying a rope around his neck, fastening the other ends to his shafts of a car. And then they uh, got on the back end of the cart and tipped up the cart. So the man was left hanging for a minute. When they let him down, he appeared to be dead, and a physician in the group actually declared him dead. But then the man came to, and the physician the physician claimed that he had saved the man's life. Oh, my God. What the actual fuck? <laughs> I read this part so many times because I was just like, what? Did I read You're that welcome. right? You're like, welcome. Did I read that right? Yeah. The wild, wild Midwest man. For real. So anyway, back to the trial. Uh, the yeah. courtroom was packed, spectators, all that kind of stuff. Very hot. This is summertime. Three judges yeah. were overseeing the trial, but there was actually a lot of drama with jury selection. Uh, basically, the defense challenged every appointed juror. Originally, 24 people were called, and then you like interview them or whatever to get your main 12. Only yeah. 19 showed up. So, But of those 19, you know how many jurors they chose on that first day? No, zero. Zero. It took several days. There was like, I think, three days of this. And by the end, 128 men would have been reviewed to be on jury. Okay. It's a lot. That's how many people they dismissed. Yeah. Why did the defense keep doing this? Well, at least bought them some time. Yeah. But also, they had to really kind of scrape to find men to review for the jury. Because only men were in juries. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's yeah. a whole other thing. Uh, but they had to like scrape to kind of keep finding people. There's yeah. people around, but like it's not easy, there's not, you know. There's yeah. not like a line around the block kind of thing. No, initially, most of the men first called in would have been like prominent, prosperous, maybe a little bit politically active. And yeah. as they have to go further and further out, they're going to be less prominent, less prosperous and less politically active and more probably from the countryside. And the defense was hoping that these men from the countryside would kind of sympathize a bit more. Yeah. have Yep. There's not a lot of records, of the actual proceedings, but it's more than likely that it was like the same witnesses as in front of the grand jury. Uh-huh. By July 14th, the jury reached a verdict of guilty of murder. Fair. He'd murdered. There's no gotcha there. That's probably what should have happened. The big thing is, though, that it said murder and not manslaughter. Because, yeah. again, the distinction. So that's that's the big like moment with yeah. this situation. Sentencing wouldn't actually take place for another 12 days. So back to the cell he goes. This is only six weeks after the actual murder. Yeah. Which is just so fast. Yeah. That is, yeah. On sentencing day, he walked into the room, mostly like very stoic, holding it together. But upon sitting down, he began to get weepy and his anxiety began to kind of like show through a little bit. The judges had some words for him, basically reminding him of how awful what he had done was and urging him to, quote, employ this short time we beg of you and making your peace with that God whose laws you have so despised. Damn. I know. His sentence as it was in the law, was death by hanging. Uh-huh. One of the judges went on to say, For the rest, we are not allowed to act upon our personal wishes. Which may have been a personal stance on the death penalty, but 
it's it's hard to know because it was actually very like at that time even like a very controversial thing yeah wayne county sheriff was given two months to prepare for the details to be carried out however he couldn't stomach doing it so he retired (laughs) and there were other reasons he probably retired too because he would not have been uh renewed in the next cycle to do some like political stuff happening at the time but this kind of was like the straw that broke the camel's back yeah yeah and the man who ended up taking over was also a hotel owner amongst uh-huh. many other things i just seems like he did everything and he saw an opportunity for his hotels so he got to choose the site for the hanging and kind of made it almost like a weirdly festive event yeah like let's use it for promotion for my hotels yeah there are some things they chose to do that wasn't like the worst in comparison to other hangings in the country. Yeah. For example, uh, at many hangings in the country, it was customary to bring a convicted person via wagon in their own coffin. Damn. With a noose already around them. That's savage. Yeah. I know. They didn't do that, though. They didn't okay. do that. He chose to place the gallows on Gratiot Road at Farmer Street, uh, okay. which is it's downtown still. Yeah. They placed a couple bandstands for people to sit in. They had a military band come in. They had space for vendors to hawk food and booze. And he was right about the crowd. Families traveled, some for days, to witness the event. At this point, too, there wasn't a ton of hangings in Michigan. There had only been, depending on how you read the records and look at the records, some people say there had only been one hanging before this. However, there were several before the territory was other under U.S. law. Uh-huh. They were all Native American or mostly oh. Native American. And then there were several before these yeah. ones, too, that were also Native American. So, like, people are it, it's a it's a weird yeah. gray area almost. It's terrible and awful because generally they yeah. were hung because they defended the land they had been living on from settlers trying to just take it. Yeah feelings yeah and yep so it wasn't a popular thing so this was like a big deal yeah you know not sure they needed like food trucks but uh hey pop off sis yeah so some families were would even come or travel for days to witness the event it was estimated that about 10 percent of those living within a day's journey or about two thousand people showed up which was actually the population of the city at the time that is crazy Mm-hmm. Uh, many people also took this event as an opportunity to leave the city for the countryside, either due to disagreeing with the event or just being fearful of what kind of behaviors the crowd could bring in. Yeah. Uh, so that day, Stephen actually put on his best clothes, including a new pair of shoes he had purchased from a friend, and he was seen walking with a firm step. Yeah. It happened. I mean, I'm not going to describe they the actual him. event. Yeah. It, it happened. The aftermath, though, is that Stevens was the second. And again, gray area. The second and last man hung in the state of Michigan. Oh, wow. Yeah. Why? There were certainly a lot more guilty people at the time. As I mentioned, most of them were convicted of manslaughter, however, or they fled before arrest into the woods. Yeah. And some received pardons, actually, from like the, the governor and stuff. Yeah. As we learned the show, it apparently only takes a letter to get pardoned. Yes. And the aftermath of the event, a lot of people were actually very disturbed by it because that's fucking disturbing to see something like that. Right. 
they treat it like a freaking carnival and they're like oh mm-hmm. shit no this is fucked up oh i'm glad we tried this out first mm-hmm. no this thing that's fucked up is definitely fucked up yeah and again like i mean the death penalty is a very controversial topic yeah of course here's <sighs> historical this is a historical yeah yeah and but at an 1835 convention where they were actually trying to draft what be would be the first state constitution which would be yeah. ratified in 1837 uh-huh they abolished using whippings as punishment during uh-huh. this meeting and they put in place the standards for removing the death penalty. And oh, nice. by 1846, Michigan was the first state to abolish the death penalty for murder. Nice. Good on you, Michigan. Yeah. However, it wouldn't be in our constitution until 1962. Okay. Uh, as far as records go, Simmons is the second and final man to be hung. But what this really meant is, all in all, under U.S. jurisdiction, the Michigan Territory, six men were put to hangings using the law. One of them was actually after Simmons. Of those six, two of them were white men. Four of yeah. them were Native American men. Uh-huh. The last one was actually July of 1836. Uh-huh which kind of sucks because it was very shortly after that that the death penalty was abolished in the state. Yeah. There were seven carried out previous to the area becoming an official U.S. territory. So all in all, 13. Uh, But it did change kind of the landscape for things. People talked about this. It was actually written about in like a book like, I don't know, decades and decades later because Uh it was just kind of a story that went around. Yeah. Talking about this. And it really put the question of the death penalty into the public sphere. Yeah. It kind of seems like, which is why it eventually got abolished. There were actually people who pushed back on that though, too, eventually. Really? And tried to get it to come back. Yeah. We want our death carnivals. Yeah. Can death carnival be the title of this episode? Sure. Cause okay. I didn't know what to call it. Cause actually originally I was going to call it the second to the last man to be hung or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Not call it, but I was going to like title my yeah. story to you. And then I was going to call it like the death of Levana Stevens. And I was like, actually, I think this story is going to be more interesting if like that comes yeah. out later. Yeah. No, I'm glad you did it like this because it left me wondering the whole way. What was this going to call me? Like, yeah. yeah. I, I appreciated you telling the story this way. Thank you. Thank you. I did look at Wikipedia for a few things just in reference to like michigan and the hangings and stuff like that but this is written by a guy from wayne state called uh hanging in detroit stephen gifford simmons and the last execution under michigan law by david g chardevoin nice it's very very informative i mean a lot of historical books you know because they do yeah it's definitely if you i feel like if you're interested in legal stuff it sounds like an interesting read and he did his research like he looked up all these like census records and all that kind of stuff too it does it does actually for having for being so informationally dense it actually does read pretty nicely so That's if good. anybody's ever interested in yeah capital punishment and the state of michigan yeah i accidentally bought a signed copy nice <laughs> i got it and i was looking and i was like and it's just kind of like a scribble but then i realized it was like initials and i was like did the guy sign this that happened with me and my copy of Bossy Pants with by Tina Fey. I bought oh, it and really? realized it was uh yeah, Tina Fey signatures inside. <gasps> I love that. Right? I, I love back that for my book mom, too. Though. Yeah, I loved it. I listened to it on uh tape or audio Same. though. 
That's why yeah, I did too. Yeah, because then her voice is so, it just... Uh, That's my preferred way for autobiography, is if I can get a recording, because then you get mm-hmm. to hear the stories in their voice, how they would tell it. It's like weirdly comforting for some reason. Yeah. Well, thank you for that story. You're welcome. Thanks for going on that journey. I, I forgot I had bought this book and it came last week. <laughs> I was like, did somebody send me a book? Oh my gosh. And I opened it. I was like, no, nah, I'm pretty sure I bought that. That's kind of one of the fun things about ordering something that isn't just like instant shipping is like you kind of forget about it because it didn't come right away. And they're like, oh, cool. A present for me from me. Yeah. But are you ready for some two truths and a lie? I am ready. Sad news today. Today, uh, October 31st, 2020, Sean Connery passed away at 90. R.I.P. Because original James Bond. Love him. I'm going to be terrible at this, by the way. That's okay, because they're just interesting facts. So Okay. So, fact number one. <laughs> uh-huh. Ian Fleming, the guy who wrote James Bond, wanted Connery for the role because he envisioned Bond as a Scotsman. Fact number two. Connery turned down the, uh, the offer to play Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings series because he didn't understand the books. And fact number three. He was considered for a cameo in Skyfall, a James Bond movie that came out on the 50th anniversary. But producers and director thought it would be too distracting. So he ultimately wasn't in the movie. Uh, I'm going to go with number two because I really want that to be wrong. No. Um, so he so he turned down the offer to play Gandalf in Lord of the Rings because, one, he didn't understand the books. And two, he also wasn't keen on filming in New Zealand. I don't think anything against New Zealand, but like that is far from England where you live. So I kind of very... like. Oh, go, ahead. go on. I was going to say, I'm very happy he turned it down because I would have been pissed if he had been Gandalf personally. But I'm upset that he was asked before and that that was in the works. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. And like, I think, you know, good choice for him for not taking it for something he didn't because it didn't seem like he just didn't jive with it. So, like, don't Mm -hmm. take roles you don't jive with. So, yeah, in that aspect, it was a good thing he turned it down. But that is true. I just, I can't imagine Gandalf being anybody other than, um, why am I blanking on his name? Ian McKellen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sir, sir, Ian McKellen. Yes. Right? Yeah. I think so. He seems like a sir. (laughs) So that leaves one and three. Do you need to hear him again? The third one was the Skyfall one. The first one was the Scottish. Yeah. I'm going to go with number one being the lie. That is true. So initially, Ian Fleming. No, that was false. That was. I mean, you were right. You're correct. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I meant to. I meant to say you are correct. Not that is true. Okay. You are correct. That is the fly. Uh, initially, Fleming was against Connery for Bond because he didn't think an, a quote unrefined Scotsman was right for the part. But after the first movie, Doctor No, Fleming saw that he was perfect for the role and even gave James Bond a Scottish background in later novels. So he kind of like retrofitted uh sean connery's scottish background into the character of james bond which okay. kind of cool and number three is true they were considering him for the role of kincaid the caretaker at james bond's childhood home but the role ultimately went to albert finney okay i can agree with that decision that it probably would have been distracting to people yeah. been like that's not a cameo type movie no not like that i agree too it would have been cool to see him but i also 100% understand why they didn't. 
Plus, at this point, he had retired from acting, too. So, I mean, given it wasn't a huge role, but, like... Anyway, so fun facts. His favorite, ba- yes. his favorite James Bond movie was From Russia With Love. Uh, before he went into acting, he was a coffin polisher, which I guess is a position you can have. Somebody needs uh, to do it. They gotta be shiny. Right. Uh, in... Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was gonna say best foot forward, and that made absolutely no sense. <laughs> I get it. Go on. You want to look your Just best even in death. Yeah. Uh, in 1953, he reportedly won third place in the Mr. Universe contest. Uh, he also turned down the role of the architect in the Matrix series. And he also turned down a spot on the Manchester United team in the 50s because he thought he'd have more longevity in acting than soccer. And his 93rd and last movie was The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in 2003. And this is from an article yeah. in The Scotsman from, I think, four years ago. How so old that's was my, he now? He was 90 when he passed. Okay. R.I.P. Sean Connery, you will be missed, but fondly remembered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know you don't have much connection, but I was just like, I have to. No, it's just funny, because <laughs> I, for some reason, have a weird Sean Connery, like, Is phobia. it only the Jeopardy? Really? Okay. No, it was way before the Jeopardy stuff started. Just, like, I don't think Did- I've ever seen a, a movie with Sean Connery in it all the way through. I'm going to make you watch one of the early James Bonds with me sometime. No. I really dislike see Why? I don't see know. How I can't, I can't explain it. Okay. Okay. Literally a weird phobia. I'll try. I'll try. I'm an adult. Okay. I can try things, but Fair. I feel I, bad. I feel like I genuinely feel bad No, about I get that it. there's some people that people just really just don't jive with, but I feel like if you see him in one of the early James Bonds, he's just like this attractive man doing spy shit so maybe you like it i don't know we'll see i am open to trying okay i apologize you like horror movies so it's kind of like that i think it was a horror movie if you're afraid of the main actor it's like but it's not that kind of fear yeah yeah i don't i feel like it's probably people associating him too closely with james bond no 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 not their kind of vibes okay no i just got um I don't know, just... He does have, like, a... He has very strong features in that accent. So I could get why you would get negative vibes from him, because... Mm-hmm. I, I feel bad about it. I have no... No, yeah. No reason. This is completely ridiculous of me, and I am... I get it. So sorry to... No, you're good. But enough about Sean Connery. We can talk about our socials. So if yeah. you want to reach us at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and you can email us at Detroit or Detroit Strange at gmail.com with any stories, questions, whatever. Mm-hmm. Take your emails. Yeah. Just say hey. Yeah. Please subscribe, rate, review. If you have a friend who would be into the stuff, pass the name along. Yeah. If you want to support us, we have a Patreon, Detroit Strange or Patreon.com slash Detroit Strange. Mm-hmm. Check that out. Also our threadless shop. Uh, DetroitStrange.Threadless.com Yeah. Oh, also too, if you're looking for another podcast that's that I think is fun, uh, check out We're Freaking Out, which is uh, yeah. comedians Jeff, Jeff Horst and Astro Navarro's, and they just actually put out a new episode yesterday that I have. I'm excited to listen to. I haven't yet. I love them two together, so it's yeah. And great. they always have like a third, not always, but they they yeah. recently have started having like a third person on too, and it's usually one of their comedian friends. So. You're going to laugh. There's going to be some laughing. We all could use For a little sure. laugh this time yeah. of year. Yeah. But other than that, I think all we have to say is 
Until next time. Stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Detroit duo Sax and Violence. Violence.